1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Today my goal is to share with you three big ideas that you already know. That's the advantage of preaching to the third smartest church in Brooklyn, right? You guys already know this stuff. I just got to remind you, bring it back to uh, the billboard space in your prefrontal cortex, right? And so we want to be an unshakable, immovable, unstoppable church, a church of faith, hope, and love. Brothers and sisters, faith is capable of seeing God's provision. Faith is trust in the omnipresent, omnipotent wisdom and loving God. It is a choice to trust God's love and wisdom. Now, faith works properly with the partner of hope. Somebody say hope. hope. See, faith alone is not enough. We must add expectation of good. Albert Einstein said that you have to make a choice whether you live in an unloving universe or in a loving universe, right? And so I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters, to keep hope alive. I know that was like a political slogan, but it's powerful. To keep expectancy. Prepare for the worst, but expect the best. We need confidence that you and I will experience the goodness of God in our lives. You guys are smart. You already know you often find what you're looking for. If you're looking for a purple car, you will find a purple car. Remember when you were a little kid, punch buggy? Right? And you're like, punch buggy, punch buggy, and you touch blue, I'm not playing with you. Touch black, I smack you back. And you used to say all these little things. And right? Because your mind was looking for that Volkswagen Beetle so you could punch your cousin dead in arm. Right? And then when you stopped playing that game, you started seeing the Beetle less because you stopped looking for the Volkswagen Beetle. Some of us are conditioned to find the bad. Oh, there it goes again. Oh, you saw so a good day in New York this morning? This city is messed up. I'm moving to Orlando next week, right? And we were always looking for the bad and ignore the good around them. So we have to be a church of hope, brothers and sisters. And we have to be a church of love. Love is worship in action. I want to tell you something. God wants you to love God. Love yourself and love others. Don't fall in love with yourself, but love yourself. And if you love yourself, you will love others. You know, sometimes the difference between a good neighborhood and a bad neighborhood is just the amount of self-love. If you're surrounded with people who do not like themselves, there's a good chance they're not gonna like you. And if you're surrounded with people that love themselves, there's a good chance at least they'll let you love yourself. And so we have to be a church of faith, we trust God. Hope, we expect good things. And love, we, we have the love of God in action. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, the Apostle Paul wrote three letters, and I'm not going to read all three letters to you. I'm going to challenge you this summer to pick one of these, one of these letters. I want to challenge you this summer to pick Roman, either read Romans or First and Second Corinthians or First and Second Thessalonians this summer. Now, he wrote to Romans, the book, the church in Rome, because that church needed love. Somebody say love. love. 
Now he wrote to the church in, in Corinth because that church needed, the, I mean, Roman, Roman, Roman church, the Romans need faith, the Corinthians need love, and the Thessalonians needed hope. Let's go right to the Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. The Romans needed faith. Romans 1, 7 says, I am writing to you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let's read one more scripture. Romans 1, 16 through 17. says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jews first and also the Greeks. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith and is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. See, for us to be an immovable, unshakable, unstoppable church, we need a faith that unites. The book of Romans is a masterpiece. The book of Romans touched three mighty men of God in history. It, it touched, um, the first man it touched was uh, St. Augustine. The book of Romans also touched Martin Luther. And the book of Romans also touched another revivalist by the name of John Wesley. St. Augustine, Martin Luther, and John Wesley were all saved, sanctified, and propelled into the quality of God by reading the book of Romans. Now, when Paul was writing this book, he was writing to an ethnically divided church that refused to fellowship with each other. You see, what happened in this church is that the Roman church allowed external societal attitudes and Judaic posture peripheral to Christianity to define how they saw each other. See, the Romans in that church didn't like the Jews in that church. And the Jews in that church thought the Romans were perverted, the Romans didn't know how to love God, the Romans were drunks, the Romans were violent, and they were in the same church and they didn't like each other. Because anti-Semitism was prevalent in this time because there was two Roman emperors at different times that kicked all the Jews out. And so they say the church got started in the book of Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost, right? When the, when the, the fire came down and they started preaching in different languages. You guys ever heard that story? Right? Okay, that's good pastor. Right? And so they started preaching other, and they started testifying in other languages. And they said that Romans at that time, they went back to Rome and they testified about Jesus and they started the church. But when the different, uh, the different leaders at that time removed all the Jews, then the Romans had the church themselves and they were all pagans. And they didn't really understand the covenant, right? And so they were getting drunk, they were wilding out, they were crazy. And so when the Jews came back, they were like, oh, you mean, you gotta get circumcised. And the Roman church was like, I don't think so, right? And they were like, oh, you can't eat pork. And they were eating a hot dog, they were like, I don't think so, right? And so they couldn't get along. So when Paul came, he wrote this letter unifying them, right? He was rebuking a little bit of the Jews, he was rebuking a little bit of the Romans, he was rebuking here, he was corrected here, and he wrote this book but they can be unified in one faith, in one baptism. And so as our church gets bigger, 
And we have a grace to reach different people who work for the city. As different firemen start coming to our church, they might have certain opinions that are different from your opinions. As different business owners start coming in, tattoo artists, right, street artists, as different barbers start coming in, they might have different opinions than you have at this time. As principals start coming in, police officers, stay-at-home moms, babysitters, fashion designers, video editors, music producers, when they start coming in, they may come in with certain prejudices. They may come in with certain opinions about police. They may come in with certain opinion about people from the rocks. <laughs> they may come in with certain opinions of people in this union, right? Now you can't be all like, UFT union, start making the UFT gang over here, and a PBA gang over here, tattoo artists of America over there. We need to be unified by our faith in Jesus Christ. Can you hear me, man? An immovable church is a church that refuses to build upon the foundations of the world. A church that rejects trendy frameworks that makes one virtuous in the eyes of Twitter, but rather establish an equal footing of personal responsibility before God and before each other. All right, second to church is Corinthians. Paul said they needed love. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. And it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household, right? Chloe. Chloe's household are telling me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. And others are saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. And, and, or others say, I follow Peter. And some of you say, I only follow Christ. Has Christ been divided into faction? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. So we say we need unity. Look, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If you're going to read any scriptures, read this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. It says, if I could speak all languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, and I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. So Paul is saying, like, listen, in the midst of all your soup kitchens, in the midst of all your worship conferences, in the midst of all your church logos, logo competitions at 99designs.com, you and I need love. We need love. We have people of all different backgrounds here. And when you come here, this should be a place where you are celebrated, not just tolerated. 
this is a place we'll be like, Sister Stacy, look at you, Sister Stacy. Yes, those glasses are not going anywhere. I see your little chain right there. Yes, they're coordinating. Okay, Sister Brenda, it's so good to see you. Right? Don't I greet all you guys like that when you come into church? Right? Because I'm trying to model something. I'm trying to model a culture. Yes. A culture. You go to work and people are like, eh. <laughs> and you go home and people are like, hey, you brought milk? <laughs> and you go everywhere. Eh. Well, at least when you come to church, it's a place where you are loved. Amen. And it's a place where you can love others. Can I hear amen? amen? And so some in church, who knows? We may, get, we may get the growing, we may get the glowing, but we still need love. Yeah. An unmovable, unshakable church should be a church of love. Should be a church where we give to one another, that we bless each other. That we use, see this church, Corinthians had a lot of spiritual gifts, but they turned into a competition. And, and Paul said, if you're gonna use your spiritual gifts, let it be to build up, cheer up, and stir up. Stir up your other people's gifts, build up other people, and cheer up. Not to show how cute you are, or how many followers you have on TikTok, right? It's to build up the church and build up others. Can I hear an amen? amen. amen. All right, the last church. Paul was writing to this church at Thessalonica. It's called Thessalonians. They have two letters. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he calls you, for he who calls you is faithful. All right, so he wrote this church hope. This church was going through the fire. Let me tell you, let me, let me, let me spill the tea on this Thessalonica was a place, they were a free city. They didn't have to pay certain taxes. That's good living, right? Can you imagine you have to pay city tax, state tax, federal tax, and, and tax for your sneakers, and tax for the Aki sandwich, and tax for everything, right? And so he, they, they had no taxes, but they had to follow the rules. And then, you know, like when the Roman big shots come, they're like, oh, okay, you're looking good. Oh, you're looking good. The emperor got no clothes, whatever. But you're looking good. And they had to follow all the rules of Rome. And one of the rules is that there was only like two religions, a, a certain Roman paganism and Judaism. So what our Jewish brothers started doing is they started snitching. And they started snitching on the church. And they said, yo, these people are not real Jews. Because the Romans, they didn't even like religion. They were like, oh, Jews, Jesus followers, same thing. And then the Jews started going up to the magistrates and the leaders and said, hey, listen, if you want to keep your tax exemption status, you got to get rid of the Christians. The Christians are making the block hot. So the Roman people, the Roman leaders said, oh, really? And they started persecuting the Christians. And so the Christians were coming through the fire and they say, Paul, I'm serving Jesus and now I got no work. Paul, I'm serving Jesus and they jumped me at the market. Paul, I'm serving Jesus, and now they're telling me I'm gonna try to take my house. And so they were going through persecution. So Paul was stirring up their hope. And there was some of these people, for whatever reason, this is the called eschatology, it's the study of the end times. And these false prophets started coming in and giving them false eschatology. You know what they said? 
They said, oh, Jesus came back over there where the rapture happened, y'all got left behind. And these people said, what? <laughs> Jesus forgot us? What part of the game is that? And Paul said, no, Jesus didn't forget you guys. And so Paul had to reframe their theological expectation of their circumstances. And he had to give them hope. And you know, some of them stopped quitting, stopped working. They just quit their jobs. Then the little Christian great resignation. And they all quit their jobs. And they was like, what is it for? What is it all for? What is it all for? And Paul told them, go back to work. Go back to work. Mind your business. Be faithful. Serve the Lord. Even if you have to do it on the kiki lolo. <laughs> Serve the Lord. Don't quit your job. Don't give up hope. And so I'm here to tell you, Summit Church, that things look crazy on CNN. Things look even crazier on Fox. <laughs> things look even crazier on New York One. I'm like, come on, Pat Kernan, tell me something nice, Papa. <laughs> come on, Pat, I expect better from you, Pat. Yes. And New York One, they tell you bad things. Yes. But keep the hope yes. that one day the Lord's going to return. Yes. And one day the Lord's going to call you, well done, thy good and faithful sister. Amen. Come and get this crowd, sister. And you know, sometimes we're still quarantined in the spirit. We're still locked up in the spirit. We have to start getting out. We have to start sharing our faith. We have to start living like something good is going to happen. We got we to get our swagger back. We got to get our Christ-centered confidence back. Right? Don't get so caught up in the culture war. Oh, the Christians are losing. There's a billion of us, fam. There's billions of us. Don't get caught up in the culture war. Don't fall for the gaslighting. Stay in tune with what God has for your life. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right, I'm finished, fam. So what's the, what, what, what did we talk about? So what, now what? So what? We need faith. We need to keep the faith. We need to keep the hope. And we need to keep the love. Not just as a church, but as an individual. Because guess what? You're the church. This building is what we just decide to meet. You're the church. You keep the faith. You keep the hope. You keep the love. And together, we can be an immovable, unshakable, and unstoppable church. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to worship you in spirit and truth, that you would teach us to trust you, to expect good things to happen, and to express our affection for you through worship and through loving ourselves and loving others. Teach us to be an unshakable people, an immovable people, and an unstoppable people, Lord. Let us learn what Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome to the church of Corinth and to the church in Thessalonica. Teach us that no matter how bad the news said, that we have hope of a better future. Teach us that no matter how tired we feel, that we know we can trust you. And teach us, Lord God, that no matter how we feel, people are not validating us. We will love, pour love, and pour service, and pour affection on others. In your name, in Jesus' name we pray, and we say amen and amen.